Hello and welcome to Zofarscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is the story so Farscape. Oh, Hello, Peacekeeper Wars. Yes. The Peacekeeper Wars. Season 5, episode 1 of 2. Part or 1 of 2. Season 4, episodes 23 and 24. Yeah, okay. The, the Farscape miniseries, the miniseries. One half. And the miniseries, of course, is called... The Peacekeeper Wars? Or Peacekeeper Wars, or Peacekeeper War, or The Peacekeeper War, depending on which DVD you, you buy. Oh, wow. They yeah. didn't really stick. I mean, what does it say in the credits? There's like a... I think it's Peacekeeper Wars yeah. is what you see on screen. But then the some of the DVDs said Peacekeeper War and also The Peacekeeper Wars. It it, it kind of goes all over the place. But KAK, yes. it's finally here. The Oasis after the long, long drought, at least for those of us who experienced those. The first time around, because for me it was last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I think, that we did the last episode, the 422. Yeah, and, which honestly is probably how I think, like most people, are experiencing Farscape these days. Fair point. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's only the people who sat through the dry times at the beginning, the first ones who went through this whole experience, life, you know, no yep. streaming, no, no screening, no pirating. Just screaming, just, just screaming, screaming, screaming. Shouting at the screen, like, oh no. <laughs> I have been looking forward to nothing so much as, as this. Like, it's, it's, right. it's, it's kind of... I mean, okay, how long was the gap? How long did it take? I think ultimately it was about a year and a half. That's not too bad. It wasn't too bad. And what happened was the way that Brian Henson tells it, or David Kemper, or something. Anyway, this consortium of financiers just yeah. approached them with the offer of some money in exchange for like a miniseries. And then they went off and found some distributors. It was the Hallmark Channel. Yes, I noticed it starts off with a bit of a Hallmark moment. Yeah. You did it, John. All fighting has stopped. No more dying. Hmm. For a certain definition of Hallmark, yeah. Okay, sure. Well, you know, for a Farscape definition of a Hallmark moment, it's the... <laughs> so it's interesting. So it wasn't, like, done by the Sci-Fi Channel, I guess. And No, the Sci-Fi Channel had pulled out entirely. Not, and so, but, but they didn't own the rights? Ish. I mean, you still have to have money in order to, to, to make it. So they didn't right. have Sci-Fi Channel as the financier and distributor. Okay. So then they had separate financiers and still, like, looking for distributors in order but to... I guess Sci-Fi Channel wasn't being arsy about it and decided to play along and let them... Yeah, I think it's a Henson property. I think yeah. it belongs to the Henson Corporation right. or the Henson Company. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, this this finally became possible. Like, in 2003, there was a San Diego Comic Con yeah. where uh, the Farscape cast had been had been booked, and it was a, it was a pretty... I was going to say dour affair, but I've been informed that it rhymes with tour. It's it's a dour affair. Yes, it's come up once or twice, yeah. Oh, what a terrible language English is. Yes. And it was just very, very depressing. But then, like, I think the next year's Comic-Con, or even a a different one in between, like, there was already the glimmer of new possibility. People were hoping, and, like, whispers were going in corridors and at room parties. And Yeah, they got the... Do they do room parties at Comic-Con? I guess they do, wouldn't they? Well, I mean... Nerd sluts is not a recent phenomenon. No, I, that's what I'm saying. Like Our people have always been proud sluts. And yes. So we, <laughs> when we're done doing convention stuff, it's off to the room party it's for, just, yeah. you know, to get absolutely hammered and maybe lose a few items of clothing here and there. Yes. Or I do mean, whatever it, it is. Like, yeah. And you, you've, been to, you've been to Klingon parties, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. With an excellent open bar. 
Well, yeah, well, uh, was it open bar? I don't remember. They might have been taking contributions, you know? Oh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, in the form of cash contributions, but right, also in yes. the form of, like, if you can recite some Klingon poetry, ah, as I have yes. been able to on, ah. on one occasion. It's a valuable commodity. But, yeah, so the thrill and excitement of something you never thought was going to be finished finally being finished. Yeah. 2004 was a, a very nail-biting year of looking forward to what we've now just seen the first half of. Yeah. And let's see what our listeners have to say about that. Push yes. the button. Oh, yeah, the, the button. Prepare for Starburst. All right. Oh, he says it. Prepare for Starburst, people. He oh. says it in the show. Ah, uh, yes. A prepare for emergency Starburst is, I believe, what he says. I, I especially love that he follows it up with, people, yeah. as he did before. Uh, a soul patch leads to charge while our favorite <laughs> dominar begins to enlarge. If they outnumber us 10 to 1, then this shouldn't take long. Thank you, Mark Nixon. Mark Nixon, you're a poet and I know it. Oh, yes, yeah, so that was the biggest change. Out of all the many changes that occurred here, I think Bracca's soul patch was the most shocking yeah, it, revelation. It, it kind of looked a bit glued on, you know? <laughs> it did like, a little bit. It's just, yeah. <laughs> like he had a fake eyebrow that sort of slipped. <laughs> <laughs> the <clears throat> Okay, here we go. The Cold War turns hot. We found out a method of getting pregnant that wasn't covered in sex education class. And remind me, does John know how to make wormhole weapons? Thank you, Marky C. Yeah. Hey, John, are you having fun yet? Not good. The best odds we ever get. Crash test dummies, gnarls in tummies. <gasps> First time's the worst, big boy. Don't get upset. And thank you, Rick, from the Delta Quadrant. Oh, another stunning limerick. Thank you, Rick. So the last one is from the Derp Prime. So we discover John can't make a wormhole weapon, so I guess next episode starts the Lex retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see how that, that happened, yes. Uh, we, will, we will leave that to the tender imaginations of our listeners. Having teased Lex many times, it is dish best sampled privately, I think, and Let's with great that. care. Yeah. Oh, thank you for those wonderful synopses. They're always a joy. Now let's dive into the episode. Mm. Wait, no, this is when we do it. Oh, I'll push we it always again. Re- yeah! Push it. I never get enough of hearing him say that. Voice over. And all of a sudden, three is not such a scary number. But no matter how wonderful this is, I will not accept it as a trade-off for losing you. Yes. John lying on the table under one of my skin flakes. Yes. There's like clearly stuff's been going on. There's like sparks falling from the ceiling in one of Moya's corridors. Empty corridors. Empty corridors. Yeah. And yeah, John's like apparently not in a good state. He's got some of the, the studio lights on him and John doing his thing. And Aaron gives a voiceover that, hey, you succeeded. You did it, John. It's all it's all mm. over. There's peace. No more dying. Right. But he's so that's lying. hopeful, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. That, somehow, I guess that I've been trained by Farscape not to really buy into that kind of thing yeah. anymore. It's like... <laughs> Next, we get a gorgeous shot of a... Uh, a uh, planetary ring system. Yes. With this. I think... It, at first, I thought it was an explosion in the distance, but now I think it's just the sun shining yeah. through it. Yeah. And what I believe is a Scarron Dreadnought. Yeah. A whole bunch of Scarron Dreadnoughts. Yeah. A whole a whole caravan of them passing by this planet and then out of the rings emerges like a 
I don't know, like a crocodile peeking its, uh, yeah. its eyes and nose Which out of the water. a peacekeeper battle group. The command carrier and some others, and they and they launch these support frigates, and they open fire, yeah. flanking these uh, lots of uh, explosions and lots of boom and bah. And it, is, it doesn't say date, say peacekeeper war. Oh, peacekeeper war! Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it says now. Yes. After the first Scarron dreadnought is blown up, in what we later find out is uh, Scorpius's loose interpretation sneak of his orders. Yeah. <laughs> And suddenly we're treated to, gosh, they sure did try hard on this CGI, didn't they? They sure tried. They sure put in a lot of work and having little Rigel very realistically swimming around. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like... Placid. Oh, sorry. oh no, I know. Screensaver CGI, man. It's... <laughs> I loved it when when I saw it back in the day because even though even by 2004 standards as little on the janky side yeah. we'd had Battlestar Galactica oh yeah um, I guess we had yes mm-hmm. but they didn't do a lot of full CGI like this although the side yeah. this the yeah, side centurions always, yeah they're always implanted in a real scene and this is entirely oh that's entirely CG. true well we did um, have season four or season three I think of Enterprise with the Zindi and the like the Zindi insectoid mm-hmm. and the Zindi aquatic they were I all mean, CGI creations to be honest. Rigel looks all right. It's the water that I've got issues with, the underwater sea life. It's, it's kind of like, you know what it looks like? It looks a bit like the underwater sea life in GTA V. Oh. Now, that's roughly what it looks like. Okay. So, well, I mean, we only see one little fish, one little uh, yeah, clownfish. Yeah, a little clownfish guy. which gets gobbled up by uh, Rigel. So it has been apparently collecting the crystals. Yeah, that's what we see as he's swimming around. It's got a very video game like feel. Right, that's what uh-huh. I mean. GTA Five-ish underwater scenes. You know, oh, they kind of right. look like that. Hunting for the little uh, little red pearls, and then he comes up for air. Dargo pulls him out of the water. I've got you. Oh. Oh. Thank you ever so for your kind assistance. Always anxious to lend a hand to a dominar. Yeah. And into this little raft, this little it looks boat. It's like a life raft looking, although it does seem to make be able to travel at a good clip, as we see a little bit later. Yeah, she's got some legs, this one. I didn't ca- catch on to the fact that he was crystal hunting at first. I thought he was just, like, snacking. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because he swallows <laughs> he, everything he finds. And like, this was totally on brand for Rigel to just be, like, swimming around and, like, having himself a wee little... Oh, you little... thought they were Marjols? Maybe lovely Hyperion yes. marjols on this planet. He uh, pukes up everything. Yay! And we get some explanation because can you imagine what it must have been like for people who tuned into Farscape for the first time here? Because yeah. it aired like, oh, there's a miniseries event. Oh, that's fun. I, I really felt that at a lot of times, especially in the beginning of this episode, that they were again, yeah, doing the beginning of season four thing, trying to like make it accessible to first-time viewers. Yeah. There was a lot of, yeah, expectation. They were, they were also playing all the successes. I'll just notice that. Oh, playing all the hits, yeah. yeah. Now, David Kemper talked about that when he and Brian Henson, was it Brian Henson? No, it was Rockney Soban. Okay. When they sat together to break this story, they sort of stared at each other in an office for about two weeks and thought, why did we Why did we end the season like that? How are we going to get new audiences into a situation where our heroes have been crystallized yep. and are being vomited up and put back together? How are we going to do this? And well, they decided just to do it. Yeah. I love Nar- Nar- Naranti here, who's like, after Rigel has, like, produced the uh, crystals again, she's, like, tasting each one. John, Erin. Yeah. Erin. John. <laughs> John. <Human. laughs> yeah. Uh, this is Crichton. 
is called a human. And Aaron, Sebation. Definitely Sebation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she looks a little she, different, doesn't she? She does a little bit. A lot of people do. Yes. I noticed that with Commander Cleaveridge as well. Come, come on, so Cleaveridge. Some- Grazer. Grazer, yes. Some new choices were made in terms of, like, makeup, which is kind of understandable because it's a new show. After a year, everybody wants to improve on the designs that it made before. I noticed that, especially on the Sebations, they they seem very angular for some reason. Huh. Especially in the beginning. It's like they were, like, yeah, they made up to, like... Have sharp little angles. It could just be the fact that they they've been shooting it in a higher resolution because oh it, yeah, it looked a lot a lot better like that regard. Especially the emperor, he looked like oh you mean the Scarans? the Scar Emperor. Sorry, well, you said Sebations. Yeah, I did. But the comment about how the emperor looked amazing was oh like so yes, it felt like you were watching it in a higher resolution. Yes, unfortunately, like Scorpius and Naranti, objectively do not look as good as they do in the series. No, you noticed that. Yes, right? especially yeah, Naranti looked a bit. I don't know. Tidier, maybe a little bit less, a, a little bit, bit more, bit more polished. Yeah, right. Scorpius as well. And I was wondering if that was like due to, again due to the high resolution. That's always the problem. If you like, if you up your resolution and your sharpness, then the special effects become that much harder. Now, in this case, it was a, a change of material where yeah. the series used the hot flesh that Dave Elsie's team at the Creature Shop had had developed. This was back to using foam latex, which oh. doesn't have the translucency and the sort of wetness that, right. that hot flesh had. I've, I've been trying to find out, like, what motivated that change. Was it a matter of cost? Was it, like, the formulation was lost? And, and there seemed to be, like, an, a, an almost, like, reluctance to have talked about this. Like, it's just never been mentioned, to my knowledge. Huh. Yeah, so like maybe there was some some pro- something proprietary about the formulation of hot flesh. It's Which also only weird. being used at on Farscale. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Maybe it, there turned out to be some sort of health concerns. Turns out that- to be cancerous. Yes. Well, we, we, yeah, it's, it's it's really easy to make. You start with a bucket of chrome nine or chrome six. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pasteurize that with uranium. Now, this was just on the cusp of the next generation prosthetic makeup technology of silicone, which is right. now the norm, which is yeah. even better than hot flesh. But yeah, alas, we've got some slightly but, janky looking... Yes, a message comes in that the Leviathan has arrived and there's a transport port arriving and there's like, get back under the shield, island appears. Yes, because it's the island of the Kujagans, the puzzle piece people. Yes, turn out to be the descendants of the... The Eidolons. Eidolons, yes, that's yeah. the one. Tying together a plotline from early season four yes. that was let go. But first we get to see, yeah, Scorpius gets a dramatic entrance. Like We see a very elaborate set for his command carrier. It's all red. Yeah. It's not just black and red anymore. I noticed that about this whole miniseries. The shadows aren't as deep. There's light everywhere. yeah. And he's being yeah. called to task by the Grand Chancellor. Grand Chancellor. Where the Hesmana, in my orders, did you find the phrase preemptive attack? Yes. Who honestly looks like a squaddy. He does a bit. He looks like a platoon sergeant who's just like made, uh, stuck around for so long that he's now. Uh... I know where we've seen this dude before. This actor was also the Zenithan pirate in the Flax. Oh, okay. That's where Fair this enough. actor was. No wonder I've, I've got this sort of okay. squaddy yeah. vibe to him. And he's calling Scorpius to task over where in my orders did you detect 
preemptive attack. Strike, yes, rather than uh, you were supposed to be doing an investigation, you were gathering going to, intelligence. But Scorpius went like, oh, well, yeah, I thought it'd be a good idea to attack them because, like, you know, just force your hand. Yeah, and also your orders were to send me to die. Yeah. In the inevitable skirmish. I simply refuse to participate on their terms or yours. Yes. We get a actually a quite elaborate shot of transport pod standing on the beach when Chana jumps out at Dargo and like, Hi, I've missed you. Because they've been super breathless. Yes. Because they've been seeing a diagnostician who again is like I mean, Grunchlicky, does he collect diagnosticians? I, I know. I mean maybe it's just a matter of like he speaks diagnosin. Right, because right. They, uh, yeah. translator microbes don't seem to work on them. Yeah, I guess. So maybe his ability to translate just makes him hugely in demand for diagnosis. I guess that makes sense, Something yeah. Something like that. I mean, Stark comes stumbling down the stairs. The diagnostician is also not particularly well uh, uh, sure on their feet. Uh, they don't have their planet legs, no. And uh, Grunchlick is just like, oh, hello, you missed me. Grunchlick, I thought you were dead. Me? Hardly at all. Yeah. <laughs> Inside, they are busily reassembling John and Aaron. Yeah. Uh, they've got them in between these two slabs or whatever it is, and they're someone's just like reverse vacuuming them back into place. Yeah. And, and then around these watchful eyes, like, stop waving that thing. This is important. Yeah. So why did they separate them first if like they're just going to like spew them out again? Like, oh, well. Correct positioning, I'm I mean, guessing. It does, like, doesn't seem like there's a lot of that going on. It does seem... It does yeah, make it, it, it sort seems of look fa- fairly random. But yes, there's the diagnostician is... The diagnosis, sorry. Very good. Is working on that. We cut back to an exciting space battle that doesn't seem to be going the way of the peacekeepers. They're being overrun. We see the command of Scorpius's command carrier. We see Bracca. A Bracca in the pilot seat mm. of a, a, a prowler. Yeah, I was surprised about that. Like, why, why, uh, why on earth is Bracca flying a combat sortie? But uh, we've seen him do that before. He launched a missile at. Oh yes, 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 that was it. Do you remember he had to command this pilot who believed that the the mission could not be could not be yes. flown, and the scientist who insisted that it could. could. And Grazer told him to solve this, and so Bracca demoted the pilot and did it himself. Yeah. So but yeah, it, it, it does look like he's got a caterpillar trying to crawl into his mouth there. <laughs> it may or may not have inspired my dubious flirtation with a soul patch at the time <laughs> myself. Wasn't my thing. Settled for my beard, now a Van Dyke. But we discover that, oh, this isn't a totally one side attack. If you actually piece together what's happening here, it's kind of a brilliant military strategy. Because yeah. Scorpius' battle group, let me narrate it for you, has feigned being on the run from the Scarens. Like, they mm. launched this attack, the Scarens responded, they have a superior force, uh-huh. and they're they're sort of doing a, a standard peacekeeper staggered retreat, which the Scarens have just blasted through, and that's the trap that Scorpius and perhaps Sikosu together have set. Because being this close to this particular planet, its magnetics will sort of bias their targeting scanners by yes. up to two degrees. They mentioned that, like, yeah, you have to, like, off, off-set your target scanners. Well, in, in, in this case, she reports to Bracco. All pilots, deactivate targeting and flight systems. Copy that. We fly manual from here. You fly straight at them, dare you to hit them, because they're going to be off. Yes. And so the fighter group is able to take out another dreadnought with incredible levels of success. When they're being shot at by what are definitely not close proximity guns, but anyway. Well, I guess that was also the, the yeah. thing there. 
Like, the Dreadnought's ranged defenses or offensive weapons are so formidable that you can't get close to them. That's why they were hiding in the ring to the planet. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Like, I've had, I've had that advice from our friend Johnny, who is a multiple winner of Dutch and European Taekwondo championships, that as someone who's not experienced with fighting, if you're throwing hands with someone who is experienced, getting close, hug them. Because then they can't do their style. It's still going to suck, but yeah. they're not going to utterly destroy you. Yeah, they're going to be able to pull their moves on you because you're outside their regular range. Yeah. Plus you get a little cuddling, right? You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a good oh, that's start nice. for peace. While Speaking this of is, cuddling. While this is going on, yes, indeed. John and Aaron are reformed, I suppose. Mid-kiss. Uh, mid-kiss. They yeah. immediately kind of look around and they, yeah, both draw their guns and like, okay, what's going on? First question out of John. How long? About 60 solar days. <laughs> and then he says to Aaron, 60 days. Uh, any regrets? No, it's going really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as they get dragged off after some more exposition. Hey, we're going to get married. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Jalitiana's eyes, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I've got that actually written down. New eyes, new contacts. Yes. <laughs> They they work so well for her, these, these sort of feline, vertically slit yeah. pupils. <laughs> Gigi Edley talked in an interview about how she really liked that look, but she was seeing everything through like an even smaller slit than usual. Yeah. Because her, her regular black contacts gave her tunnel vision, and now it was an even smaller slit than that. Mm. So that like on the last day of shooting was the first time that she could be on set without them on because all they had to do was like some hologram thing or whatever. She, yeah. she described like taking the eyes out and looking at the set and, whoa, that's amazing. There's so it's many so, colors. They're so big. There's so <laughs> many people. That's interesting though because you wouldn't think that makes a difference because if you just like put contacts in which partially occlude your pupil, it just like works as an uh, ocular, like a diaphragm, uh, like a... Uh, like an iris. Iris, that's what I was looking for, yeah. Well, I haven't experienced it myself, but people who have worn those things yeah. do do report that. It's like tunnel vision. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I don't think I recall that from... I mean, I, I wore some cat's eyes contacts at one point. Oh, you did, yeah. At the uh, Halloween party as a Cheshire cat. Uh, yes. I don't, rec- I don't recall anything... Oh, interesting. Anything peculiar. Because like you said, right. you just think it just, like, it just obscures part of your pupil, but that just makes it a smaller pupil. And that's yes. not how the, yeah. Yes, optics are weird. Like, I recently had a case where I was photographing, as I want to do, and I noticed that the sort of quality of out-of-focus areas on the edges of the image were looking a little bit unusual. And then it mm. turned out there was a big old plug sort of stuck on in front of my lens, in the lens hood itself. Oh, Including the entire middle third of the lens. And I was just shooting through slash around it because yeah. optics. Yeah. What even is it? Brackhambre um, brings success to Scorpius. It gets told off a little bit. Sakozu looked got a bit of a makeover. She does not look like her old self. <laughs> no, apparently. Is, is it even the same actress? Yes, it is. Okay. But just a completely new design. It was decided that if anybody was going to have a complete makeover in these 60 days. Yeah. I mean, uh, her hair is a different color. It's much is shorter. Really the only like thing that kind of like is left over from the old Sokozu is the gold scales around her cheekbones. Yes, she's still got those, but like she's got these extra, like these weird sort of eyebrows painted on. Yeah. Very angular. I've got to say, I love this design. It's a lot a of people look. didn't. Yeah. I was literally wondering like, okay, is there no, it's not, no Sokozu? Okay, who's this like second in command then? And I was writing, <laughs> just writing that down in my notes when Scorpius like mentions uh, Sokozu. Like, oh, okay, it is Sokozu. Fair enough. <laughs> you and a lot of fans. <laughs> but he just sort of stops. 
in the middle of the battle and he orders a retreat and he orders the rest of the battle group yes. to stay behind, but they'll be devastated. It yep. looks like he's going to have a bit of a shag with Kozu there. Well, doesn't he always? Mm. And he won't explain himself. He won't explain to uh, to anyone why he's abandoning the majority of his forces to die in an attack that he initiated and was winning. But, you know, that's Scorpius for you. His maze are deep and mysterious. To you as well? Or do you know why he ordered that retreat? Oh, well, he... I presume he was just, like, basically trying to piss off his superiors, but... No, bud! Mm. No! He sensed John Crichton was back. How? Does he have John Crichton senses? Well, John asked him that, and then Scorpius oh, course, yeah. taps his side of his head. Oh, yeah, the whole Harvey... And then uh, Harvey comes back. Right. Yeah, Harvey pinged him. I mean, they're, they're, they're really waffling back and forth now on, like, is he or isn't he Is he psychic? Harvey? Is yeah. he not? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, they've played, played it both ways now. It's like, like, said that he definitely is and said that he definitely isn't, so... Yeah, I'm... <sighs> Well, they stated that he did or that he and that he didn't, but not whether he could, and yeah. now clearly he can. Right, I suppose, yeah. But then why wouldn't he have, like, passed on information? Actually, maybe he can't... Maybe he can talk to Scorpius, but he can't dig into John's mind. He can only, oh, like... He, yeah. can only, uh, he can only relay to Scorpius what, basically, he communicates with John. Yes, rather than be able to read his, right. read his mind. That's about, that, that, that seems about the only way I can think of that Ooh. gets around this issue. Maybe it's based on, on similar technology as the Screeth and the Larnaps. Oh, I guess. Remember that from, yeah. uh, from Terra Firma, that, yeah. that creature? We never find out exactly why, but yeah, that's why... If they'd been, if they'd been reconstructed like a few, probably arms earlier, yeah. then the war wouldn't have been triggered because Scorpius would have retreated before initiating yeah. the attack. John, in the meanwhile, is being uh, interrogated uh, by uh, Infericons. Um, Eidolons. I mean, we can talk, call them Kajagans, but that's the, the planet they're oh, I'm on. I'm just going to keep on making up new names for them. Uh, Yay! <laughs> and he says, well, as I've told you... Interiorans. For the 89th time. Referring to the number of episodes that have had an opening monologue, <laughs> yeah. which is not entirely accurate because the first one didn't have an opening monologue. No, but he's basically, yeah, we, we get a quick little recap for the viewers who are, aren't on board. Oh, it was such a... We do get some, uh, yeah, they reuse a little bit of footage, but we do get the football helmet. Episode one, yeah. yes, that he meets some friends who immediately beat Ma- him up and spit meets him in his the face. Love his life. We get a shot of Christ. Oh, Christ. You know, it was nice to hear his voice again, because among the many sort of changes, also the sort of formulation of audio processing that went into creating Pilot's voice was lost and had to be reconstructed. Oh, so yeah. Pilot actually sounds a lot closer to Lani Tupu's natural oh, okay. voice. Didn't pick up on that. but Well, Erin sounds significantly deeper. It's like she dropped an octave. Oh, wow. I don't know whether that was a creative choice, her going through the sort of smoky voice. Oh, God, now I have to think of something that I saw in the making of featurette of The Peacekeeper War, which is very hard to find. Uh, it seems to only exist in those DVDs, but I found some clips. Yeah. And one of them was a rehearsal of the scene where John and Aaron are put back together again. Yeah. It was sort of t- uh, blocking rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. So they were both still in their regular clothes. They had their scripts with them, and it was all about finding the position. And Erin had her hair in gigantic curlers. Oh. This is sort of a flashback to Won't Get Fooled Again. Yeah. They were enormous, which is apparently just how how she styles her hair for Erin. Well, I assume that her hairstylist did that. I can't imagine that she had to do that herself. Oh, yes. No, there are people for that. Yeah. 
the, uh, the, the Supreme Commander, in the meantime, has an undrugged Grazer, who is pregnant. There's a lot of people being pregnant in this episode. Yes. Well, technically only two. Only but, two. Yeah. Which is fairly high for Farscape standards. Yes, it has been. Yeah. And she is not shy about showing off her baby bump. No, she's making quite a strategic point of that. Yeah. She has shacked up with the uh, the Grand Chancellor, also someone who doesn't sit around for very long. She made it off Scorpius's command carrier, yeah. where she was sedated, back into the hierarchy. And she's Lady Macbething him a bit. I see what you mean, yeah. Very subtly. She's not really offering a lot of counsel. She's gently advising him. But he is leaning toward peace. No, that's not an option. Then surrender. Mm, I'm not going to go there either. Because yeah. he foresees the utter destruction of... The, the, the peacekeeper the species. Under, under the hand of the Scarens, yes. Meanwhile, John Grun- and Aaron, there's a lot of cutting back and forth. Right, yes. Grunchlick is like casually pilfering medical supplies. <laughs> yeah, uh, for later, I'm While sure. the diagnosis is checking up Aaron and comes to the conclusion, you're not pregnant. You never were pregnant. Uh, Which is a kind of weird thing to do because she clearly was. So, But it turns out there was a piece missing. Yes. And that piece is still in Rigel's stomach. Where it has self-decrystallized. Right, because it was never in the decrystallization field that John and Aaron were in. Ah, Maybe he was close enough to also get pasteurized. I mean, it's going to have to be some sort of hand-waving explanation like that. But yes, now it is in Rigel. And I mean, fetuses are pretty aggressive. Human fetuses, anyway. Mammal true. fetuses are about, about, like, latching on to wherever they are. And now we... Yes, we, 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 the, the baby transfer technology seems to be a big thing in the Uncharted Territories. Because, I mean, we saw that in the other episode when the... Did we? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't used, but they were going to move the baby from Erin oh, to the other woman. Oh, that's right. Yes. I'd forgotten about... For, Tiana, in fact. Yeah, Tiana. Oh, sorry, yeah, it wasn't to the other person. It was to Tiana. Yes, that's the one. Well, in that case, the equipment was not where, nowhere near as humane as this, because Aaron was not expected to survive the transfer. Yeah. But here, yes, we see that a device is being put together by Diagnosen, and you can figure out the rest of the components uh, on your own. And uh, hold on, says Aaron. He's coming with us. Ah, uh, no, I'm sorry. The Doctor and I do not travel into Peacekeeper territory. We have some previous issues with them. No details needed. So elegantly designed, anyone can use it. Good luck. Because she also isn't going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's argue, lots of arguing with Rigel, who does not want to be knocked up. Notice how many people are in each of these scenes, by the way. Oh, yeah, loads. So this was a nine-week shoot. Wow. Which which sort of strikes me as, as odd, because they also talk about how incredibly efficient they were. They were used to taking about one or two takes per scene, mm-hmm. with four cameras running simultaneously. So, yeah, the sort of preparation and efficiency of shooting was very high so maybe that was nine weeks including pre or post production seems- yes because they used to shoot these in 10 days wasn't it yeah about per episode yeah. okay now this is like an hour and a half so it's a little bit longer but you wouldn't expect that to take more than two weeks i guess yeah but miniseries fresh budget lots yeah. of setups rehearsals special effects yeah we get stalik and 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 akna the emperor and the war minister yeah this is where i like i've written down like high resolution because it Ooh, kind of felt yeah. to me like at this point it kind of like started hitting on me like oh this kind of looks like maybe it's just because how you were raving about stalik's armor mm. that i was paying extra attention to that yes it's oh yeah like, good it's, point. it's kind of like he's, he's got like his pectorals angry with each other 
Because it's like on, <laughs> on his like red lacquered armor, he's got like a gold, uh, not spatial, Scarron. Uh, Scarron yeah. head, like, and they're like, kind of like facing off with each other. Maybe it's like the the left shoulder angel and the right shoulder demon, which are just like, but but but, but, but the Scarrons do it on the pecs rather than on the shoulders. <laughs> they're having an argument. It's sort of like Roman armor that sometimes featured animals like horses yeah, and uh, yeah. going for that symmetry. But in a new environment now, so where previously we'd seen Scaran architecture with all these earth tones and reds. and no, Presumably uh, this is on board a dreadnought. So this is specifically on a new ship that we found out called the Decimator. Yeah. Which is gleaming chrome from the outside. It's much smaller than a, a dreadnought, apparently even faster than a striker. Ooh. And it has an absolutely devastating weapon system. And on the inside, yeah, it's all clean. It has these transparent, illuminated map panels that sort of remind me a little bit of Star Wars that yeah, had these, uh, these side-lit ones. Yeah. And they're discussing a piece of intelligence that War Minister Akna has received, that the human Crichton has reappeared on the board. And Scorpius's battle group is pursuing him. An out-of-the-way water planet, no defenses to speak of. And so the Scarons are hot on their trail. We get a wedding. Oh, yes, one of the first, been... of, first of many. <laughs> well, I mean, two so yes. far, but... So, yes, uh, Narangti promises that she's going to make Eren a beautiful bride. And basically, the, the groom and his best man are having a bit of a nervous breakdown over it. I'm not sure which one is more nervous, Dargo or John, because they both seem it's to be Dargo, equally... It's Dargo, right? I know, Dargo. <laughs> like, like, you have to be relaxed. Totally. Okay, are you relaxed? I am relaxed. I'm relaxed. I've heard the key to these things is being relaxed. I am relaxed. They were... Hey, Dargo, you have been married. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is at least your second wedding that you've been to. Jana I... gets put into the flower basket. Well, what about me? Oh, you're right here. There's some, like some troughs there with flowers floating in. For some reason, Chana has to stand in one of them. Now, she's just being moved over to the bride's Which is corner. apparently standing inside up to the it's knees. It's Chiana. Like she, she, she crouches and jumps on everything. Yeah. And then we get the entrance of the bride with Noranti throwing around fistful of cocaine, uh, flower petals. <laughs> <laughs> Natural organic I flowers. Tried, yes. <laughs> Oh, she's a lovely little flower girl. I know. It's so wonderful. She's having a great time. It's got a kind of a Hawaiian look. She's got her hair done up nice and a, and well, a flower yes, behind her. Well, it's a single her. red flower, but she's still wearing her leathers. The head of the Inferions is, oh uh, is going to hold a little speech. She asked me if she, she needs to get a... Uh, a specific invocation. Invocation, yes. And John starts feeding her the Dear Beloved, We're Gathered Here Today speech. Under this beautiful... Command carrier. Great. Sick. <laughs> It pulls in front of the sun, like you see the light dim, like a dark cloud is passing over the wedding. Wow. And everybody goes and runs off to do their thing. First wedding cancelled. Yep. A marauder comes down. It's a, it's a new generation of marauder, it yeah, looks like. I, I was looking at that. It, like, it's got like weird foldy down legs, kind of like Harrier-like directional nozzle that's coming. Yes. Out. The original marauder had that as well, but this one was also able to like curl its tail down right, as a yes. leg to stand on. So it cool. It looks a bit more, yeah, I think... It, it almost looks a bit more like Talon than it does like... Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. It's got that sort of... Talon was very sort of muscular and broad-shouldered. Right, but it's still... Yeah, it's, it has that same ratio to it, I'd say. Oh, maybe a reactivation of Crasis program after they'd studied... Oh, yeah, Talon or maybe this the... is what they were using to help develop Talon on. Oh, but also a good as, thought. As all the interior decorators are being handled over and heading for the... Uh, for the... <laughs> you are relentless. <laughs> 
They're heading for the, uh, what's it called? The safe house, the safe room, the, the bunker, yes. whatever. Naranti runs past a wall decoration and goes like, Now, that's familiar. Why do I know that? Yes, where have I seen this before? And they get bustled into the temple where she realizes, <gasps> It's the Integrons. Okay, I'm going to have to correct you because I love what you're doing, but they're not Integrons. That's dual species. They're Eidolons. Eidolons. Of course. Eidolons. Oh, right, yeah, sorry. Um, hmm. I know. Not as many opportunities, that's why I waited until now <laughs> to pull the rug out from under you. That's yes, some fun. Especially here in this shot of... She looks weird. She looks Bad, childlike, right? yeah. Yeah, like, the makeup like just is cher- Cherub-cheeked, which is not her look. So I, bad is not the word, but she's not as convincing as she has no, been previously. No, she looks younger, I guess, which... Maybe also because there's just more light. And as you say, this was actually filmed in HD, I do believe. Yeah. So John tries to get a bet with Dargo, as I've done with you many times. I was <laughs> I was so tempted to even pause it. Yeah. Because John said, I know who's going to come out of there. And Dargo said, yeah, I know too. Come on, D, bet me how much? You're on your own, my friend. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yes, it is in fact Scorpius and Sokozu. And Crichton asks, like, how did you find me? And Scorpius taps the side of his head. And then we see... Flash. Yes. Harvey dressed as Einstein. Christ. With a bit of a Doctor Strange love reference thrown in. It's such a bad accent. It's so great. <laughs> Standing in front of a, a chalkboard that he's scribbling in and erasing, sort of pointing out that what you need to give Scorpius is... <laughs> but Crichton has a response to that, says very clearly, like... Yeah, uh, I can't do that. Finding wormholes, yes. Navigating them safely, ooh, just barely, but weapons... No. Because it was Jack who built that wormhole bomb. Yeah. Yeah. That displacement engine. Yes. And he made it possible for John to remember, but this John... Oh, yeah, of course, that was a different John, too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was other John. That was Green John. Black. I always forget which one. Talon John. Which one. Anyway, Talon yeah. John, Of yeah. blessed memory. And he brings back the chalkboard, and he uh, writes a message in, in excellent English... F apostrophe C K O F F. I'm kind of surprised they did that. They went for that. It's all shot in a way that you can't never see the full text. But they could have just written Freloff. And does that work with reading? Did translator microbes help you read things, or do you write differently? I mean, it shouldn't make a difference for Harvey because, like, he's already in John's head, you know. So oh, right. So there's not even any translation going on. So it would be in English. Not. Yeah, I would think not. But yes, Scorpius like retreats again. It goes back and forth a little bit between actual John and Scorpius talking to Harvey and everything. There's another shot back to John lying on the bed. Yes. Now, I wonder if this was the, the sort of halfway stopping point, because there have been edits where this miniseries was four discrete episodes. Okay. Which is also how Brian Henson described it. So maybe like this was uh, the button on... The first episode. No, that doesn't quite work out. No, I don't think we're even halfway yet. No, it doesn't feel right. We've got these these eidolons talking with. <laughs> Dargo shows up at the at the safe house. Ask what's going on. Dargo, Dargo, miracles, eidolons, jewel, Anes, peace. He tongue lashes him, knocks him out. Naranti, eidolons, peace, justice. <laughs> Okay, no, fine. It's another ep- epic eye roll from Anthony Simcoe. <laughs> Thank you. Where but it d- is now explained that, yes, the idolaters are actually the uh, <laughs> descendants of the... <laughs> oh, wow, okay. 
Uh, yes, the people of Kajaka are descendants of the Eidolons whom our heroes, with the exception of Erin, because she wasn't there, remember, says Naranti, because you were off, not realising that you loved John more than anything in the world, because you're really very stupid, <laughs> that were reconstructed by our heroes and by Jewel, who stayed behind on that planet. Yes. We learn that the Eidolons were remarkable in their in their era of usefulness yes. for being oh, able yes, to that's influence. The one. They were the peace brokers because they're basically mind frellers who help people think a little bit. Yes, yeah, no, a little bit. That's literally what they're doing. Yep, and then getting people to agree to peace, and then after they agree to peace, they put the peacekeepers in place and to keep the peace. You've got a very cynical read of what is a very beautiful and romantic story. The oh, way that they sure. tell it, okay. Right? I mean, they, the way they tell it, it sounds great. They would tell it that way, wouldn't they? Yeah, like they're, they're just yeah. mind frellers who enforce peace first through by mind frelling people to agree and then putting like a military force on their tails to keep it that way. No, yeah, no, they're absolutely lovely people. <laughs> oh, I'm reminded of an, an X-Men comic, one of the more recent ones from, from like the last 20 years, where at one point Cyclops or someone, one of the chief students of Professor Xavier's School for Perfectly Normal Children. I, I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. And he goes, you know, it's weird how, huh, isn't it weird that we're all sort of sitting here in a school run by the most powerful psychic in the world and we're all fine with being weaponized and going on anti-terrorist missions? Yeah. I wonder... No, it's probably unrelated, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's probably unrelated. Okay, <laughs> yeah. on the next anti-terrorist mission. Yay! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, exactly that, yeah. Yeah, they, they get a little bit of holographic sh- showing of them, and then... Is this wedding t- attempt number two? No. Uh, I think that's coming up in a bit. So now the plan is to go to Arnesk, which is means traveling through Peacekeeper territory. Some bit away. Which Pilot is confident that he and Moya we believe, will be able to find as they get closer. Yes. In order to teach the current Kajagans okay. how to influence peace. Right, yes. Because apparently they lost that ability to, <laughs> uh, to mind frail people into peace. Yes, as Chiana notices when she's with Stark and she's with an Eidolon. I think he was like P-something. P- P they all had funky okay. names. Yeah. And this Kajagan, under his hood, like opens his face as we saw the pilot do, and Stark points out this specific gland. In a weird place. It's an antenna to feelings, an inner eye. Am I right, Bacall? Yes, and our history leads us to believe substantially more. It gets bigger. (laughs) And the dude explains, like, okay, this is what allows us to influence peace, but we've lost that ability. So if I gain that ability, maybe we can do it again. (laughs) And he goes, no. And she goes, oh. But then he explains, but it vibrates. And she goes, oh. Well, no. (laughs) Yes. Wow. I think it's the priest Eidolon who later mentions something when he's he's kind of baptizing this pea guy. And that he's like we open our faces to the universe or to the thing, and we we feel its passions and its, yes. and its suffering, and then later we learn to when our other nodule drops, we learn to <laughs> wow, yes, we learn to swaffle peace into the universe. There we go. I'll take that. Like, hey everyone, let's fun. see if your uh, translator microbes managed that particular contribution <laughs> to international conceptualization the by Dutch the Dutch language, language yeah. <laughs> which does not have a word for sorry. We have to use the English word, but we do have a word for rhythmically whacking your your big mivonk, your middle mivonk. I don't think it has to be rhythmically, but yeah, there re- is a, an aspect of repetition to well, swaffle yes, it. Yes, of course, but it's like, kind of like yeah. Oh no, rhythm but, isn't isn't required, well, yeah, but like whacking it against once, something more than once. 
Certainly. Culminating in famously a Dutch school student being permanently banned from India for swaffling the Taj Mahal. <laughs> anyway. So sorry. So sorry. We'll we do apolog- better. We apologize for the inconvenience. Have the strope waffles, which I believe are now pretty common in the US. Like I think, they're in yeah, Starbucks they're, they're and whatever. Definitely been... You can forgive us for swaffling, can't you? Oh, I'm sure they can. Let's see. We are Off to uh, space we go. Yes. Pilot is coming. There's a little bit of argument of who is and who isn't coming along. Yeah, this is where you have the Grunchlick and the Diagnosen arguing that they're not wanting to come along, and we're talking about the baby extractor device. So let me see who's going. Dargo, John, Aaron, Rigel, obviously, who is pregnant with their... Yes, <laughs> and Sokozu and Scorpius. Yeah, because... Also coming along. Scorpius knows all the latest dances. Yes. And the security codes in Peacekeeper Space. Uh, And Gianna's there as well. Yeah. And then a pilot reports, oh, yes, hey, there's been a message that's been in the buffer for a while. No, 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 Arnesk first. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, off to Arnesk. Now, do you want to hear that message? Ah, yes. And it's like Rigel's cousin. Cousin Bishan. Yes. Full CGI, doing a total Yoda. Who disposed him. He's talking about how the Hynerian Empire is under attack, millions dead, the outer planets being seized one after another, mm. and the Hynerian Empire needs to unite, which they're not apparently doing under Bishan, but would do for... Rigel. Their yes. true dominar. Oh, he must have been eating some humble pie, and we know how Hynerians can eat. <laughs> oh, you... It doesn't really come back. I guess it's maybe something that's going to come back in the next episode. We find out from Dargo that Rigel offered for at least Dargo and Chiana, maybe the rest of them, to settle on Hyneria if they want to. Yeah. Where Dargo kind of wants to become a vintner. Yes, he just wants to like do some honest work with his hands, grow things. and Make uh, some wine. Yeah. He's very excited about it. And Chiana is... <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That sounds lovely. We've been down yes. this road I'm, before, though. I mean, we know how uh, David Kemper was thinking about developing the story into the future from the story that we read last week. Oh, Rockney S. O'Bannon. Oh, yeah. Sorry, O'Bannon. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Kemper. Right. Yes. Oh, so, you're right. Which also had a mention. Hey, for those of you who skip our story, our truly excellent story readings with totally convincing character voices. <laughs> mentioned the unspecified role that Rigel played in the birth of their first child. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Of course, yes, yes. As a very <laughs> literal midwife, it now turns yes. out. It's An intermittent wife. Starburst. Prepare for Starburst, people. And we get ah, the full man. graphic. It's so beautiful. Stark is being a little bit... If you can, Oh, yeah, this is the scene where we have the, gland, the glandular issue. Oh, yeah, uh, it's the fun little gland talk. And some further conniving between Grazer and the Grand Chancellor. She's mm-hmm. really showing off her baby bump now. She is. She is very much so. And we have an argument between the Emperor and the War Minister. Yes, splitting their forces. So the major force of their battle group will go to Gajaga to subdue the population, take out the command carrier, while this decimator that they're on, the Imperial flagship it seems like, yeah. will pursue specifically Moya. And after some further consideration, the Moyans decide, okay, we've got to do this marriage right yes. now. Wedding attempt the second, basically being held on command, I think, or maybe in the... Uh, uh, or maybe in the... No, in the galley? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably command because it's nice and big. And Rigel is bitching. Very much so. About and Aaron draws, draws her gun. Pulse and, pistol. Yes. Stop. 
You are ruining my wedding. Honey? What? You're pointing a gun at the baby. <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Rigel actually holds an awesome speech. Ah, yes. It's so cool. But alas, quickly interrupted by a frelling harpoon through the wall. Yep, because they have strayed into peacekeeper territory and they are now being... I guess it's it's some sort of privateer ship or something, because it's not a peacekeeper ship, but they are, like, yeah, patrolling the area, and basically they have orders to fire on everybody who is there, and they're, like, shooting Moya with harpoons and bringing her in. It's it's briefly touched upon, but they are Tragan mercenaries. There seems to be a a, a kind of skittish PK, like, lieutenant or something in charge. Ish, yeah, he looks like he's gone a bit native. We're talking a little bit like bit warthog-faced aliens with Tusken Raider-type eye extensions. Yeah, uh, those Tragans. They they look kind of cool, but their heads are enormous. Yes, very much so. Uh, at least for our Earth standards. There's quite a bit of waffling about back and forth between the, the PK guy and Scorpius, basically yeah. trying to convince him that, like, no, it's fine. In special service to the Grand Chancellor, I order you to release and vacate this ship until basically Scorpius bluffs them to accept his orders, which oh. is fine until he gives them their command code, which apparently has been revoked because yes. Very so as soon as they core. punch it in, then it goes like flags red. We got a fantastic firefight. Oh, you liked it? I died. Uh, Me too. I love especially how John just grabs Scorpius, literally uses him as a shield. Scorpius <laughs> is perfectly content to go along with this. He just kind of keeps shuffling along with John while John is taking pot shots at the aliens over Oh, we're doing this again? This is really your best plan? Okay, fine. We'll we'll do it this way. But it works fine. It's a bit of a drawn-out firefight. It goes on for a bit, especially when they withdraw to Pilot's Chamber where they tell Pilot to duck. Yeah, and I can't. I mean, yeah. He, he sort of squats a little bit, like he, he lowers his head a, a bit. Mm, but yeah, I guess he brings that huge cranium a little bit into a more uh, shielding position. But he's... Which uh, was kind of actually a little bit, and, and not about this, but why didn't they hold the wedding ceremony in Pilot's Den? That seems like a nice thing to do. Yeah, right? That would have been, like, the better place to keep it, because then Pilot can be there. I mean, I'm sure he's aware of everything that happens aboard Moya, but I think it would just have been nicer to do it in his uh, in I den. I agree. Yeah. And maybe he could have even, like, led the... the oh, yeah. What, and was, yeah, I was going to say, why not let him do the ceremony? He, but He'd be an amazing officiant. Yes. He would have given it a lot of considerate thought. He'd have the like DRD have little, as little flower children. Oh, yes. Carrying the rings. More cocaine oh. spraying around. Yeah, Sorry, poof, uh, poof. <laughs> completely <laughs> natural, organic drugs. So the crew are all working together in their various areas. We've got Darko and Aaron who take some out. Oh, the the priest boy is about to be taken out by some Tragans who go, do we know this species? No. Okay, ah, then dead did. is fine. Yeah. But he's saved by a very athletic Chiana and Jewel who come tumbling out of the woodwork. Chiana is like, she's like tall Yoda. Yeah, there's a little bit of a nice uh, trapezoid work between, for the two, <laughs> both, both Ju- no, that's not Jewel, that's... Sikozu. Uh, Sikozu and Chiana. Yep. When they're like leaping around the uh, aliens. Like little sort of hamsters. They manage to defeat the boarding party, get rid of the connecting anchors, and starburst out of there. Yeah. There's a there's a brief conversation that we missed after Dargo and uh, and Aaron take out uh-huh. their assigned Tragans. Dargo goes to Aaron, you know, you never struck me as the type to want children. Mm. And she sort of gives him this look and he yes. goes, "Oh, you either." Yeah, and then she but then she talks to 
Uh, uh, Darko still. He wants it so badly. So I do. Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of prospective parents have, have felt over many years. And Darko, having been a father himself, like gives her the reassurance, like, when yeah. you see the little bugger. He'll come around, yeah. And she hopes so. Pilot does an amazingly accurate jump to Starburst towards the planet where they're going and is yeah. rightfully smug about it, which kind of like ties back into what saying. Apparently they're getting the hang of doing like accurate Starbursts now rather than just like kind of that way. Yeah, because the ship's been heavily damaged. We've got these things weighing us down. We didn't really get to reorient ourselves and, and quite ask, okay, how much is that going to delay our arrival? The answer, Commander, is not at all. We're Look already, out the window. We're already there. Because we're amazing. <laughs> yeah. John has some trouble finding the entrance to the temple, but manages to stumble over it anyway. And over this trap that he finds when he's... Uh, well, he finds it, he avoids it, and then he gets snagged by it anyway, because now it is Jewel, sets it off anyway with an arrow of her own and catches John. Jungle Jewel, who is suddenly and inexplicably all over John Coming and not Dargo. extremely hard towards him, yeah. No explanation. Right until Edron shows up and goes like, you know, he's taken, but... We're having a baby. And she yeah. goes, oh. oh, well, nope's out of it real quick. This has never been explained. I'm guessing this is just because having her fall for Dargo, who is actually not here, for whom she has lingering feelings, as we saw that we, when we, when, you know, when, when they left, left one another, yeah, yeah. would have just been too complicated for new viewers. Why put it in there anyway, then? Yeah. Yeah. I guess there has to be some sort of personal connection. So this I is guess, yeah. a way for new audiences to understand that, oh, this is something, someone that we know intimately, that there are there is a connection with. But yeah, uh, she's had a bit of a makeover as well. She's got her hair a bit wild. Yeah. She's got some junk in it. She's got yes. ragged clothes. I like her makeup. The chief of the idlers is lording over his you, indoor pool. Are you just sitting there while I'm talking? Do you just sort of tune out and think like, what's the next pun I'm going to do? It's a little bit of that. Yeah, it comes <laughs> naturally as well. This gorgeous set, this gorgeous set with a, with a baptismal font in the middle. And yeah, we've got someone. You asked if he was Peter Cushing. I think Peter Cushing was already dead. At this oh, time. yes. He does. I mean, later on, it's very clearly that he's not. But when you can only see him in the distance, he kind of looks a little bit like it. And Jewel is coaching them. And, and of course, like, with absolute reverence. Behave. And it goes without saying, you show deference and respect. Absolutely. Please, don't embarrass me. And so what John does when he looks up is he whistles... Excellent acoustics, are they not? <laughs> I really appreciated this scene because there is an incredible sense of superiority from, from oh, what's his name? Yondalao. He's mm. Hierarch Yondalao. But it's, it's formality, it's dignity, it's, it's not hubris because he does listen to everyone listens to what they have to say, doesn't let them speak for very long, like, say what you need to say, and then he decides, okay, we need to meditate on this. And Aaron asks if she may speak, and they go, well, the peacekeeper will be heard. Yeah. She makes an argument as well, but it's John who won't accept, like, okay, you want to send us away, you want to think about this, no, hold on. And he appeals to the heart very directly, grabs the P-boy, I wish I remembered his name, <laughs> I would sound like a much better like professional podcaster if I remembered. This is... This boy is your heir. He is your responsibility. There's nothing to, to question. We live in this, in this world now. He is your responsibility. And that appeal to sort of emotion and personal connection seems to be enough. Yep. 
and now they're up to their knees in the in the kiddie yeah, pool. Yeah, he, he kind of gets like an, an inauguration into the uh, the mystic arts. Yes, uh, the idol opening their face to the thing. Maybe he gets his gland enlarged or vibrated. Okay, no, no, no. I'm not actually not going to have any fun sort of talking about that in a sort of in the context of a clergy person. No, with let's a not. Young student. Yeah, no, let's not. Yeah, <laughs> I do worry that I actually by acknowledging it did so. Just quickly yeah, move well. on. M- move on. Oh, there's an even more. Oh, there's an even more politically or sort of ethically troubling bit where John and Aaron have a chat, and then at the end, while Aaron is walking away, John yells, "You better have my dinner ready when I get back on that ship now." And she gives him her middle finger, which is her pulse pistol. There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your dinner ready for you. We see another little bit on the Peacekeeper Command or Peacekeeper Central Command, where one of the officers receiving the Grand Chancellor's orders to withdraw further and to, like, defend the innermost outpost, as okay, so... But you do have a strategy to turn the tide, don't you? And the Chancellor goes, yes, of course, in due time. Of course, that's what you'd say. Mm-hmm. There's a fun little conversation between Sokozu and, and Aaron, where Sokozu questions, like, I don't understand why you're carrying the child of someone who is your inferior. Oh, yes. And that, which she, she seems to be really obsessed by. Yeah, because that's how she, she, she explains. She looked at Scorpius that way, but then she realized that there was a reservoir yeah. of depth to him. And that apparently, but yeah, she, 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 I guess she just has weird notions about like what, she, what, what works in relationships. I got the vibe from that, which is like that she thinks that one should always marry up in life, but that means that someone else is marrying down. It's Yes, it's a, it's a very old-fashioned kind of, well, maybe it's specifically tied to reproduction mm-hmm. that, well, at least in the sort of modern interpretation of sexual dynamics among among mammals, that there's a lot of a lot of species where males are selected for excellence by a, a, a far lower number of females, yeah. and that they are quite critical. And then, in response to males of the species, have developed like really overt sexual dimorphism because yeah. there's this process of. Yeah. Selection. So maybe that's something that the. Oh, what's her species again? Sikozu? Kalish. Oh, no idea. Oh, right. Kalish. Yes. Well, except she's not. Yeah. Or she kind of is or isn't or it's partial or yeah. whatever. Oh, did you notice during the, the wedding, she was lighting all the candles with her burning finger? Yes. Her finger was on fire. Poof, poof. Of course, those candles had lovely colors. They must have had some, some weird chemicals in the burning material. Yes, they Although were like that changed. I noticed that changed between shots. It's like sometimes they were just burning regular, and sometimes they were burning more of a purplish flame. Yeah, like it looked like a clean blue flame, but still just a sort of wobbly regular yeah. gaseous flame, but with a purple core. And then other times, I guess they ran out of the special salts that they used or whatever. And likewise, John and Scorpius are having a a heart to heart, which ends when Scorpius goes, "Oh wait, hold on." I have a highly developed survival instinct. We need to go right now. And it's not a second too soon. Because right at that time, the... The Scarabs arrive. arrive. Yes. Uh, in the decimator. John Quite is m- trying to convince everybody to leave. He's like, oh, come on, get all, all get on board more. Yeah, we can, like, take you out of here. Yeah, how he was planning to shuttle them all up, I don't know entirely. No. Maybe there's a lot more space in those transport pods than we try- get to see. I mean, you can, like, cram a lot of people in there if you try. I mean, that's what, yeah, if you bring cargo on board, if you just shove them in there, like, boxcar them up there. There's uh, a goodbye scene with Jewel. He who- tries to convince her to come, which she's, I know my place is here. Oh, he has a beautiful line for her. 
you always made the best mistakes. Yeah. Well, she kisses him on the forehead as if they had a romantic past, which they totally don't. No. But okay. The Scarrens contact the planet and the Grand Dominar decides to come along with them. But the other dude stands there next to Jewel as she is oh, pleading with the yes. Scarrens to leave them alone. We are peaceful. We don't do anything. We are no threat. Don't do, don't, don't, don't do nothing. No response from the Scarrens. So Crichton yells at the hologram, if you can hear us, like, get out of the capital yeah. city. Get out of there now. Because they launch a missile. Seemingly at, at Moya. Evasive maneuvers. No time. No time. But no, it wasn't aimed at Moya. I mean, you can kind of see that from the way it's launched. I mean, I, I never really felt like it, they were shooting at Moya. And it's a really weird, like, you see this blue impact that then turns into, like, this constellation, like a fireworks. I don't think fireworks. that's the impact. I think that's the missile splitting up high above this, when it's still above the atmosphere or high in the atmosphere, dividing oh, like up a, into, into various submunitions who then, MCR, like, convolve what, what MRIV. MRV. Yes. Sorry, MIRV, yeah, multiple independent reentry vehicles. There you go. And uh, they spread out and then home back in on the target, which... Yeah, blows up the temple and everybody in it, including Jewel. It's an amazing image because it's it. We see the curvature of the planet from so far away. We see a, a significant landmass and what looks like quite a tiny little explosion. Well, it's but quite a big one, and it, like this this big ring of fire which radiates out from it. That's a significant part of. Oh, uh, I know, but just uh, in terms of the space on the screen that it takes up. Oh yes, right. I guess we, it's like to give a, a proper scale of the planet and thereby a proper scale of how large the impact is that was made. Here's a a really grim, horrifying thought. Mm. Would one have been able to see a nuclear detonation from orbit if that had been done during the time that we had... Oh, nuclear tests have been done during the time that we've had people in, in orbit, orbit around the Earth. Because mm. it's very mm. bright. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you'd see one. But would you be able to see the shape? Because there's, a, there's even a, a bit of a telltale mushroom cloud. Yeah. Don't know. The hologram is blank. Stark it is goes offline. screaming. Stark, yeah, Stark goes into a uh, right old panic, which he does quite a lot in this episode. And without orders, Moya or Pilot initiate emergency starbursts. Mm. And it is prevented. Yeah, they basically shoot the tail tip as it lights up. Moya is crippled in space. Apparently everyone is ordered to report to the Scarron ship. They, yeah, they're told to abandon ship. Because if any life form is found other than pilots, pilots hopefully yes. they will be they will destroy Moya. So what they do is everybody except Dargo and Chana go aboard the transport pod. Dargo and Chana go about Lola and yep. decide like, oh, we're just going to cloak and they'll never be able to find us. <clears throat> On and board now we're in. I love this space. It's, it's the Scarron Prison. Gray walls and like cerulean teal lights, and there's there's it's. It's so anti-Scarron from what we know of them. This mm. must be their idea of really fancy architecture. I, I suppose, yeah, maybe. It's lovely to look at. We have some peculiar interest from the War Minister, Akna, for little Rigel. Going, oh, this, yeah, I this, thought he was male. Oh, yes. Seems to be pregnant. I, oh, at first, there's like the two special gun detection DRDs. Which Aaron uh, oh, gets yeah. a, a little bit of a police academy moment there, yes, where she, exactly. she has to turn out a gun, <laughs> and then she has to turn out gun number two, and then she has to get the boot the knife, ankle and, knives, yeah. and one like behind her neck, neck and yeah. then she gets to walk on into the august presence of Empress Stali. I guess they've learned about weapons and uh, like not letting 
Moya crew aboard them close without a very secure weapons check. Ah, oh, they've got good weapons uh, scanners. And speaking of scanners, we see Chiana using her new eyes ability mm. just to see energy signatures. We saw that previously on the planet when she could see the Kajagan rifles. Yes. Had this sort of plasma thing. She could and see this fig- energy. Yeah, yeah, and her and Dargo figure out that they can like disable the dreadnought with three shots. Which will be handy eventually, Later, I'm sure. Yes. But in the meantime, our heroes are interrogated and tortured because the Emperor wants this wormhole weapon. Yeah. He rips out Scorpius's coolant. Gruesome. Yeah. It's like he makes it spin out and then he just grabs it and rips it right Snaps out. Snaps it off and like green goo coming out and... Uh, Sikos immediately starting to tend to Scorpius. I don't know what she does, but she stuffs something glowing blue into his squidgy brain. No, that's later. So for first she's like using a rag to like stop the the squidgy. Oh and yes. And later she just that's a, a shot later. She just sticks like two of those coolant rods right into that big gaping hole and puts a little plate over it. And it's like crude but effective, I guess. I mean, she's even got a pneumatic bolt gun to yeah. sort of uh, uh, screw his bolts back on. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. There's a new strategy being formed, which is for Yondalau to do what he's good at, to influence peace. Now, this is difficult because the Scarrows are a species that he's apparently unfamiliar with. He so needs he to needs study to, them first, yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, he tells Aaron the, the story, oh, I'd forgotten that you'd forgotten, of her people's origin. Ah, yes. And it turns out that, well, it's not said specifically, but it's heavily implied that because they wanted the species that nobody had seen before, that they took humans from Earth and turned them into peacekeepers. Accelerated their evolution with some generous genetic upgrades, which apparently included an intolerance for heat. Yes, and a nerve that uh, if it gets damaged, like, kills you. We have lots of stuff like that. We have organs that are hard to... No, absolutely. But why would you add one? Maybe it's because it's really good at other stuff. Maybe that's why they live 300 cycles. Perhaps. Right? So things kind of slow down a little bit here. Rigel is under the tender mercies of Akna and a nurse who looks a lot like the human nurse. That's what I was... I had like, is that the same actress or something? Did you just, like, take that human nurse and then just, like, put... Now make her... Give her some Scarron makeup? Is that... No. She was the priest. The priest? the, The priestess on Kajaga... The, the the leader uh-huh. of the Eidolons there, right. that's the same actress who played the nurse on Genix Freighter. So you have just seen okay. her. Yeah. Right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I'm convinced that I know this actress as well. But yeah, she had the same sort of, I don't know, conniving look and the, the sloped forehead. Just the, yeah, the, the shape of the face was just very similar. John has a talk with the Emperor. I can't give you wormhole weapons. Then you will die. You're asking for a kilo of pure wormhole technology, which I don't have. But I can take you the guy that does. And he manages to convince him to go and have a trip. Yep. Because into the module, into the wormhole. In exchange, you give me Rigel. Undamaged, free and clear. I will take you to the person who does know about this. And yes. I'm going to go to know you. Can't take the Emperor. But the Emperor... And John kind of big dogs him a little bit. Oh, it's nice to know who wears the pants here. Yeah. And now Harvey is in his mind, in a sort of crash test car. Yes, they're sitting in a car which is being towed back through a test set. They're both wearing orange jumpsuits. They've got those, like, stickers on their heads and the bodies. <laughs> they're both dressed up like, like crash test dummies, and they're having an argument about how to proceed. Because Harvey thinks, hey, you could kill the, the emperor. 
Yep, just smash against the wall. Like, that would be the end of it. I mean, he'd be dead at that point, so that's like... Yeah, but this is Harvey 2.0. He's fully on board with Scorpius. Like, hey, we need to stop the Scarrens. This is a great way to do it. Just crash the module. No more Starleak. No more Crichton. No more Aaron. No more anyone. Mm -hmm. And Crichton goes, okay, but then I'm dead, which is bad. But also Aaron and my child are dead and everyone I care about are dead because there's no way that they'd be permitted to live. You've done one of that, yeah. And, oh, things go from bad to worse when Akna tries to taunt Aaron by showing that she knows about Lola. Yeah, so they shoot Lola out of the air. And make Aaron watch one pot shot after another until the entire ship is destroyed. But John decides to stay true to his word. Yep. Uh, Pops in the wormhole. Through his module, all the way through, back onto that... Ice flow. Yeah, that weird iceberg. Yes. Einstein is there. Gets introduced. Actual Einstein this time. Sorry? Actual well, Not Einstein. Not Harvey Einstein, but no, 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 the, actual Einstein. the ancient Einstein in yes. this case. Who gets introduced to the Emperor. The Emperor tries to do his thing on him, which doesn't work. Einstein actually feels betrayed. You have violated our trust. Because he, he specifically told John not to come there. Um, Although this is not their reality. I guess this is still that intermediate place. Yeah. But yeah, John, he's like, oh, I shouldn't have come here. Like He's a little bit grumpy about that. But John is there for specific confirmation. Can I make a weapon? You cannot. Why not? Because no one should have that power. Exactly. He wants to make sure that the Emperor hears it out of the horse's mouth. On the record. Yeah, not saying, I cannot do that, so... And he gives him a little demonstration. He makes a snowball and it's like, this is your universe and this is your universe with wormhole weapons. And he just crumbles the snowball apart. Because, yeah, they are so devastating that no one can have that power. Which is honestly kind of humbling for for Stalik. Yeah. So when he returns, and for some reason everyone is in a great big room. Oh, yes, no. He interrupts the Scarron nurses' attempt to euthanize Rigel. Yes, because he's been told by the war minister, like, oh, well, he's supposed to be okay, but, you know, if there's an explainable incident, then I would... consider I would, that yeah, I would a be, personal favor. Be, yeah. <laughs> so she immediately starts, like, using weird equipment on him and, like, shooting him full with drugs and other things to apparently euthanize Rigel or something. Which the emperor stops yep. and shows that apparently Scarons have the same sort of spinal fragility as uh, Sebastian's. <laughs> yes. One-handed snap of a paper neck. Or maybe the Emperor's just really strong. Confrontation with with Akna. Oh, we see Dargo and Chiana. They survived the explosion, but now they're hovering in space. Yes, and Dargo is giving her the kiss of life. And it's like, with what air? And also, how is that good for you? Yeah, and how is there, like, wind blowing their hair around in space? Well, that's, okay, that's just to show that it's weightless. Right, oh, of course. That's just on a television budget in 2004. That's how you do that. Yeah. Meanwhile, the chief of the... Uh, Yondalao. Yondalao is turning on the uh, Mindfrel to 11. Yeah, so the emperor and his guards have walked into this prison room where all the prisoners are gathered, and one of the prisoners is now talking to him, glowing purple, and we're all sort of fine with that. He's like, he's the most reasonable person on the planet. You can tell him about your concerns and about your desires, and you want to know what, like... And agree to what he says, that, like, peace is the solution and we can, like... And they actually managed to throw something together, which basically means the Scarrens win on paper, the 
peacekeepers yes. get to like self-govern whichever area they are, but the Skyrims want mining rights or something like that. That's basically what it amounts to. Yes, and the the sort of core of it is is perception, which Yondalau notes, and which the Emperor also repeats. Like it turns out that the the sort of deep rooted psychological motivation for a lot of their sort of intergalactic policy is a, a frustration yes. at the, the their perception as a, as a brutish race because that yeah, they are not a particularly evolved species by galactic standards. Yes, so they've got a bit of an inferiority complex. Yeah, they've got a huge chip on their kind shoulder. A little bit like a Russia under Putin does. I mean, Oof. USSR, yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah. Like they want to be like, we are still a superpower. No, you have nukes. You're not a superpower. Yeah. You're a thug with nukes. Anyway. Your BNP is less than that of the Netherlands, which is a tiny little speck of a country. But this all goes well until there is a little bit of interference. Uh, Well, Akna walks in and blasts Yondalau across the room. Oh, yeah, that's it. Like, after what seems like an hour of of a powwow where they're all perfectly reasonable. We see Stark collecting everybody's drink cups and, like, refreshing them. Oh, yes. He's got this weird tray which, like, has some chains instead of handles. And he's being... (laughs) But, yeah, Akna goes, hold on, you're being brainwashed. And she disables the brain that's washing him. Mm -hmm. This is intercut, by the way, with a a grazer sharing cups with the Grand Chancellor. Poisoning him. Poisoning him to death. Because we're not going to have... We're not going to have surrender to the... uh, Yeah, will not happen. The Scarens. And, at the same time, Chana and Dargo have been rescued by none other than... Jothi. Did you recognize him? Kind of. Really? Like, he's, the, he's the second one who looks weird. Like, he, he's, he's got, like, his head is, like, super big. And just like Naranti, he doesn't look good. It's also a different actor. Is it? Oh. Uh, at least he's still got the chin tankers that are, that are cut off because yeah. he, that's how he, no, he I made mean, himself. I mean, I immediately pegged him as, jo- as Jothi. Oh, well done. Yeah. So he's got his own crew. They've got, a, they've got their own ship. Our concealment technology is three generations beyond yours. We could pull up beside him and they wouldn't even know we're here. They've apparently been shadowing the Emperor's ship this whole time. He's got his own grunts. Like they talk about, okay, this 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 kid is our, our cleaver, I think they use yes. the term. So he does the thinking, we do the fighting. And yeah, he seems to be like all on board with that. Rescued his dad. Who punches him? Not quite the luxe and greeting, but... Well, hmm. yeah, well, Dargo starts by that. Fun, fun family reunion. Happy to see Chiana again, of course. Very much so, yeah. Although Chiana doesn't seem all that impressed by it. And he goes, well, the ship is formidable, but Dargo has keistered a little yeah. USB stick. Well, no, the same thing. It's like we've, we've been studying her. Looks like we could take him out in four shots. Three. Yes, that sounds quite reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Amateur, we can do it in three. Uh, Stark is being a little bit mistreated by John yes. because John is forcing him to use his Tykera powers on the dying Grand Vizier. Hugely unethical in many ways mm. because he has Aaron and Scorpius and, and whoever help to... Because he wants Stark to take on the powers of peace from him so he can continue to do the mindfrel thing on the Emperor. Stark screams as he's, as he's forced to expose his face... Open yes. his face to the death. Basically, they rip the, the mask off. There's this blast that knocks them all back as a, a burnt-up Yondalau dies. Stark fights them all off. But it 
it's not long before they have a new problem. Mm-hmm. Gas. Yes, the room is being filled with knockout gas, which apparently the Scarans use before they want to dissect someone alive. Embalming fluid that maintains brain function. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so cash. far so good. Yeah, so one, one more shot of John as he's lying in bed, and then to be continued, right? The last to be continued of Farscape. Or so they say. Oh, they know how to end on a cliffhanger, don't they? Yeah, well, it's, that's been practicing that for ages. All right, so now that we have this stiffening gas, let's talk about... She gives me a woody. She gives you the willy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peacekeeper War Part 1. So, let's see. What do we have here? As always, we discuss what we love yes. and what was our less favorite. Okay, uh, so there was a bit of a weird cut. Like, at one point, there's a fight going on with Eren and Dargo. And there's a shootout being in. And it, it cuts between scenes where they are shooting and scenes when they're talking. And for some reason, that really jumped out at me, John, that these were two completely different... Shot on different days, shot on the... Because when they're I talking, it's, they're, they're, they're kind of like casually chatting, standing in a corridor, and then there's a little bit of shooting, and then they're back just like casually standing there without yeah. any sense of urgency. Now, they've got like one little kill zone that they're guarding. They've yeah. put up some, some crates that they're hiding behind. They take out two of these, these tray guns, and then they're just chill after that, before the all clear is even sounded, I felt the same way. Like, I sort of forgot, like, oh, did they get anything to do at mm-hmm. all? Have they just been sitting there chatting yeah. while everybody else was doing gunfights? It's kind of weird. But that's your, that's your willy? Well, no, no, that's like one of the, one of the candidates. Oh, okay, you've uh, got you know, a lot I, of willies to have a lot around. Of one. I have a lot of ones. So the other one goes to the kind of weird looks for both Naranti and Jothi. That, that didn't really go down very well with me. That's my that's my willy as well. Yeah, but the, the, the actual the, the actual willy willy, as in gave me the willies, ooh. is for Scorpius as a cooling system getting ripped out and then the glow sticks just shoved straight into his it brain goop before it was bullet. Oh, like, that was just like, oh my God. Yeah, that's my actual willy for the... Uh, uh, now for me, it's the return to latex. Like, it's, it's such a shame that... I mean, I'm sure a lot of people tuned into Peacekeeper Wars for the first time, mm-hmm. and they didn't get to see just how amazing it usually looks. Yeah, it's a shame. It's, it's a like, real shame. It looks like they had enough budget, and then it just like didn't like quite deliver. But eh. right, I mean, it was still the the creature shop, so they probably did their best. There must have been course. some reason out of their power yeah. that uh, it looked like that. Yeah, which is very unfortunate. But, I mean, they both looked baby faced. That's the only one that like. A bit, bit puffy, a little bit soft. Like yes, Naranti didn't look like Naranti looked like she'd overdone it on the Botox treatment or something. No, you're right. It looked a lot puffier than we're used yeah. to seeing them. Both of them, I guess, because like foam latex needs to be a little thicker. I guess yeah, something like that. But so Woody's. Um, let's have your Woody. Worst, well, first candidate is Aaron going a little bit bridezilla. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't even have the cliche of, oh, pregnant women's hormones to fall back on. I guess no, not, no. this is just all her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pulling the gun on Rigel and everything. I thought that was like a hilarious scene. You're ruining but my wedding. It will, yeah, exactly. But it will have to go to the scene where John is uh, using Scorpius as a shield. And uh, I thought that was a, just like how Scorpius is just casually standing there while he's being shot in the back and like <laughs> yes. kind of shuffling along with John, who is like, using him as mobile cover and taking pot shots. I, I wish think we'd that... had a close-up of, like, Scorpius sort of standing there sighing and rolling his exactly. eyes. Exactly. Like, oh. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my Woody for this episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. My Woody... 
it just has to go to the mere existence of this miniseries. Yeah. Because I, I talked about like these financiers, but Brian Henson credits it entirely to the, the fan campaigns, which were not completely unheard of, but yeah. rabid to a degree that and they really successful, I guess. Mm-hmm. Actually, with two examples in that era, because one year later we would get Serenity, the uh, oh yes, uh, the cinematic conclusion yes. to the Firefly mm. saga, which was much shorter, of course. Oh, yeah, that's such a shame. But yeah, like as much as I had the willy, oh, this doesn't look as good, and oh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But my God, we get to see everyone again. <laughs> the, the 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 adventure continues. It's the stakes are so huge. The adventure is so grand. Everything looks fantastic, except for the makeup. But. Uh. I just love that it exists. And next time for the conclusion of Farscape. Yeah. So there won't be a a reading, I think, between now we're just going straight ahead with the last two, isn't it? Yes. 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 So next week. Oh, did did we do this one? Did we do this one? Yes, we do this one. And that's the story so far, Yes. Because next time, as we mentioned to those of you who do listen to the readings, we're not doing a reading next time. We're going to do something fun. Oh, yeah. It's not straight. We're not straight on to the next episode. No, no, no. no. Not yet. Yes. So next time that we get together, we are going to watch the pilot episode, the premiere again. And we're going to do our, our and we'll have ourselves a nice little live commentary track, just our, our thoughts on the show. So hopefully you'll be able to stream this from somewhere. I know that Plex, the, the sort of web server syncing service you can mm. if you download plex it has a, a sort of ad supported tier that you can get for free and i think farscape is on there oh that would be nice so yeah if you're watching at home that maybe make it tricky because you'll have to pause the podcast when there's an ad but hopefully you can make that work we'll be using the blu-ray discs for for synchronization so if you have those that's great if, if you have the region 2 dvds it's probably not going to sync up perfectly good luck with that but yeah that's going to be our oh our sort of penultimate little get-together about Farscape before the finale in the two weeks. The grand finale, yes. Peacekeeper War, part two, in which we find out how this epic series concludes. Thank you for joining us. Those of you who supported us on our on our Patreon, thank you so much. Those of you who have shared your, your thoughts and kind words, we would not be doing this without so many people who, who love Farscape and our antics across the universe. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. And of course, thank you to Lee, Lee Collier of Lee Writes Songs, the excellent musician who brought us our theme tune. Yes, which last time we had to sing ourselves because oh, yes. I forgot to load the MP3 and which we danced to. And I'm, I'm looking forward to dancing the, to, uh, to that theme tune one more time. But until then, I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, far escape, so, so good. good.